Never had it so good. 101.1 radio, the best R&B and hip hop music. The Quiet Storm every Friday and Saturday. Talk radio with the best host in the business. 
Sports Talk Radio Every weekend night with Princess Cooper Never had it so good radio Now on 101.1 And it's 24-7 The world's best radio station In this day and time, stereotypes are the false descriptions for all of humanity. James T. Deshay is the author of two great poetry books that attempt to describe life from a male perspective. It has been a common belief that men are unable to put into words their deepest feelings and spend most of their time focused on the surface of what life means. Thoughts, love, and reflections, and passion, desire, and contemplation take you on a journey that has very few travelers. Mr. Deshay has opened his heart and spirit up in ways that few have ever experienced. The depth of his poetry will have you reading his books and poems over and over again. You will find yourself using his passages to describe your own feelings to your family and friends. It is now time to put aside your thoughts and feelings related to the depth of men's thoughts and delve deeply into the words of James T. Deshay. Once again, he will put an end to your thoughts that men can't translate their heartfelt spirit into words. Both of these books will allow you to find comfort in the reality of the heart of men. You will spend hours trying to embrace the way men want to love and display their passion to the women they love. Don't be fooled by those books that create love through words of lust, vulgarity, and unhealthy displays of sexual activities. You will discover the types of words that will allow you to rejoice in the future of what love truly means to men. Your book clubs and families will be able to discuss these words without fear. No one will have to leave the room. Both of these books can be purchased at jamestdeshay2.com and lulu.com. Feel free to reach out to the author at tlreflectionsjtd at gmail.com. This is James T. Deshay, the host of Thoughts, Love, and Reflections, brought to you by Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network. And as always, we're here to, here to give you an opportunity to discuss a subject or issue that impacts our lives now and in the future. Uh, how are you doing this evening, Mr. Higgins? Fine, Mr. Deshay. Mr. Higgins, you know, when you uh, suggested this topic, um, I thought about why is it that uh, Malcolm X has not received the accolades he deserves related to uh, how he assisted African Americans to understand where their place was and how to get there. And it is obvious that uh, we don't look to him in the same similar fashion as we do Martin Luther King, but indeed he he was after, he had a journey to help us get our place. Uh, so why is it we have not given him, in your mind, the accolades he deserves? Um, well, one of the reasons why um, um, Minister Malcolm X hasn't um, been given the proper accolades is because he um, 
he took a stance that um in terms about speaking up for um black people that would in the terms of mainstream society would be deemed seditious or subversive. So being that, you know, he spoke eloquently about to be men and um and advocated you know, for us to have a equal playing field and he was he didn't hold any he didn't hold any punches about that. That's one of the reasons why um he has been given the accolades that he um in terms about in notoriety in terms about his notoriety but in regards to in, in the black community he is a pinnacle figure inside the black community that um even to this day has a um polarizing effect on on many of those in the black community you know i realize that i realize when i think about myself there was a period where uh between the late 70s and early 80s there was a resurgence of malcolm and his thoughts and his meanings um, and it came, and everyone all of a sudden wanted to wear his hat and uh, listen to some of the, the things he spoke about, uh, but then it kind of quickly disappeared again and has not uh, resurged. Uh, what do you, how do we go about people truly studying him and what he stood for and so that they can get the true meaning uh, of his words? Well, um, well, we can do that by having, um, you know, having featured on a show like yours, and and continue to understand and and understand, you know, the dynamic of the entire man who um, gave so much to the black community. Um, as you know, that's one of the true things that many people aren't aware of his contributions to the black community, and not just the black community in New York City the black community across this nation. Yesterday in Harlem, they um, closed down 125th Street to 4 o'clock to ensure that, you know, people will observe his birthday in terms about what he um, what he had done for Harlem, what he meant to Harlem. And it's important that, you know, in terms of us as being, you know, black people in this community, we understand his contributions because his sacrifice was selfless. He, um, what he did, he didn't do in the name of himself. He did it in the name of, you know, um, of our people, people of color. And initially, when he first, um, you know, became a public figure, he was he spoke for the Nation of Islam. And he spoke for a nation of Islam solely because this was the um, the, the structure that, that 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 he used to edify himself from being a criminal. He once was a criminal in his um, in his youth, and he made a transition in prison, and he was introduced to um, the nation of Islam and Elijah Muhammad's teachings of the nation of Islam. Those teachings built his self-esteem where he was able to 
um, changed his life around, and and then quote quote speaks for the um, go out and speak for the nation of Islam, building chapters around this country for the nation of Islam. As a matter of fact, the city of Philadelphia um, is a primarily an African American community. is a primarily Muslim community. Now, they're mostly Sunni Muslim, but the fact that they're Muslim is because of the the, the fact that the effect the the reverberance of Malcolm X effect in that city, and Malcolm X's effect on the entire entire country. Um, in, in spite when you had said about the resurgence in the nineties, um, about Malcolm X then it was due, it was coincided with the film. Spike Lee had a film about the man, which wasn't totally accurate, but that's when you saw this new spawn interest in him. But it wasn't just him. It was just that at the time there was a a resurgence of um, black awareness through the music, through hip-hop music, actually. Through hip-hop music, through artists like Karis One, King Son, Public Enemy, Granddaddy IU, um, Poor Righteous Teachers, um, even to some extent um, Queen Latifah. It was during this time period where there was a a lot of Afrocentric and positive music inside of hip hop that was alluding to the um, to the to the you know the history of the past, so this coupled along with the with the movie is what made you know push the resurgence in, and then it was also the black colleges. The black colleges um, were um, being celebrated at this time. So at that time, they had um, they had African Americans were having um, clothing lines. At the time when you had the Malcolm X resurgence, this was a when you first had the um, African American clothing lines coming out, and one of the one of the ones was one of the clothing lines featured um, black colleges as as their staple. So um, the Malcolm X um, movie, the black colleges resurgence in terms about their memorabilia, their clothing, and the music. All of these kind of like fueled this. Um, this resurgence back into um, into into seeking about such a pinnacle figure of, of the 20th century as Malcolm X. So, and speaking about the the movie, in the movie there's a there's a um, notable scene where is um, Malcolm X is supposedly is going to the precinct to see to check on a, um, a brother who had been beaten by the police. And in the movie, in a, in the movie, you know this 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 um thing is depicted as a as a mob scene. Actually, you know, um, even in literature it says the Hinton the Hinton Johnson incident. The arrest of Black Muslim Hinton Johnson after he had been severely beaten by the police on April seventeenth, nineteen fifty seven, prompted an angry demonstration led by Malcolm X at the 123rd Street Precinct in Harlem to significantly widen Malcolm's popularity about among New York blacks. Now, see, this is a, one of the reasons why Malcolm X is not celebrated in the, in the manner 
that he should be because that incident didn't happen in that manner. And it's depicted in Spike Lee's movie to happen in that manner. But if you watch a documentary called I Remember Harlem, the, the, um, that incident is accurately de- um, depicted and recanted, actually recanted. And um, it was what happened was was that the brother Hinton Johnson was beaten. And what happened was was that at the, the um, that's a, the 28th precinct, which was on 123rd Street and 8th Avenue, the 28th precinct, there um, stood outside hundreds of Muslim men and women standing out there silently. There wasn't, there wasn't noise. There wasn't a bunch of raging mob. They were standing out there silently. So what happened was, was that the precinct contacted the police commissioner. The police commissioner and the deputy commissioner came to the 123 Avenue to the 28th Street Precinct, and they also can't, um, contacted one of the leading um, editors from the Amsterdam News. And at the time, the Amsterdam News was one of the leading black papers in um, New York City. So what happened was, and they contacted Malcolm X. Malcolm X then came to Harlem, because at the time he was living in Queens, he then came to Harlem and drove to the precinct. When he came to the precinct, he met with the, the, um, the police commissioner and the deputy commissioner. When he sat down with the police commissioner and the deputy commissioner, the, deputy, the police commissioner told him that they didn't need his assistance and they were just calling him just, just to, to touch base with the, Malcolm, with the Muslim community. So at that point in, in the meeting, Malcolm X turned around and walked out. When he walked out the meeting, um, they, the, the police commissioner ushered to the mayor from the Amsterdam News to bring Malcolm X back to the table. So when the mayor from the Amsterdam News walked down the hallway to try to bring Malcolm X back to the table, Malcolm X only agreed to go back to the table if it was if it pleased the mayor from the Amsterdam News. So when he came, when, when the man from the Amsterdam News said, please come back to the table, he came back and sat down to the table with the police commissioner and the deputy commissioner. And this time they made an agreement to see the man and to make sure the man got um, hospital, uh, the man uh, had um, received hospital care. It was at this time, after this incident, that's when he went outside and made the gesture with the hand and everyone walked away. And they, they dispersed in the crowd quietly through Harlem. Now, the thing about it is, is the fact that the media depicts this scene. Spike Lee depicts this scene in terms about how it was this raging riot. And it was nothing of the sort. Because if you watch the documentary called I Remember Harlem, they quickly, it's all about Harlem. And in one portion, which Malcolm X's pinnacle portion part of Harlem's history, they recant this, this situation. So the thing about it is, is that you, you know, they recall the situation. So the thing about it is that we have to understand that we do have to do the research and find out the information on the people that are celebrated and the people who have made it, who have made, who sacrificed their lives and their livelihood and, and, and their well-being, you know, for, for black people to, to live on the way we live now. Let me ask you this question. Do you believe that Malcolm X and... Martin Luther King, uh, if they had lived, could have coexisted in the same time period, uh, bringing African Americans forward. Could that have been a, a, a coordinated effort between the two of them uh, to work uh, on 
the things that needed to be worked on? The thing about it is, is that it was it was about to manifest in this, in this in, in to fruition in it in the time of their li- in their lives. You know, there's a picture of Malcolm X and Martin Luther King when Martin Luther King when um Martin Luther King to Abyssinia Baptist Church in Harlem. So the thing about it is, is that you know the views of the, the you know the media depicts the views of these men as being polar opposites. But we have to understand that the media presents things to us in a theatrical presence. In a theatrical manner, um, you have to have have a protagonist and antagonist. A protagonist and antagonist meaning the good guy and the bad guy. So what happens is is that, you know, the media one time portrayed um, Martin Luther King as the good guy, Malcolm X as the bad guy. But that doesn't mean that they had the different perspectives on the end goal of what they wanted, you know, and the thing about it was was that, you know, here you have someone, they have two different backgrounds. So being that they had two different backgrounds, they have one common goal. They have one common goal, and that was the liberation of colored people. Now, in terms about their, their, their ideologies and, and their methods of, 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 of achieving that goal, that their goals and coincides with their backgrounds. So oftentimes when we look at, when we look at the, you know, these two um, um Figures that contributed much to the um, to the black community and the and what and many of the benefits that we have today, you know, we look at a perspective as in terms about as they being opposite. But if you understand, you know, if you do the research on both of these men, you know, both of these men sacrificed their lives, you know, for the you know for the sake of um the for the for the edification of our community. So they both to be respected, you know, no matter how many people may feel about Malcolm X or how people may feel about Martin Luther King. You know, you know, for when someone to say anything about either one of these gentlemen, you know, you should have to have put the dedication and put the service that they have into our community, and then you may have something to say about anything, their behaviors, and manners, or what they have done. But until then, until you have done, done dedicated as much as your time and effort of your life until what they have done, then we can only do anything with you know, appreciate you know what they have done, respect you know what respect we don't what we don't like what they have done. Certain things that they've done, we can respect that and leave it and, and, and keep it to ourselves and keep it amongst ourselves. You know what I mean? And if we like what they've done, then you know we need to 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 to, to um to let people know, let it be known. So it's just a matter. It's just a matter of understanding. You know the dynamic of these two men and their contribution to the black community and respecting. You know both of them for for what they have done. And you know, and not you know, uh, uh, one versus the other, but you know, let's learn lessons that we can learn from both of them, so that we can, so that we can build off those platforms and create and create um, a, a, a strong, a strong, a strong unified community, which we so desperately need today. You know, but how do we get uh, people to our young black boys? to understand the value of these men and want them to emulate them uh, versus, uh, you know, it's, I have a tough time reconciling our young men of today with the power, power of Malcolm X and Martin Luther King because we seemingly don't have an idea of 
of trying to emulate these two guys. I mean, we're talking about two guys who were the best dressed of their time as young African men and who became um, well-spoken individuals. So how do we help our young men to look at these two men and want to emulate them versus uh, be diametrically opposed to them? Well, we have to understand um, how the young people visualize Malcolm X and Martin Luther King. See, you know, if you're 40 and older, you have a different perspective of the civil rights movement, of slavery, thing that happened prior to 1970. And unfortunately, many of the young people in this generation and from my generation and from the young people that are in their 20s right now, they still have the effect of the assassinations of these men. When I talk to many of these young men, oftentimes they may say, I saw them, but yo, Malcolm X and Martin Luther King, they got killed. They got killed for black people. And what black people are doing, so it's the, it, that's why you don't see them emulating what the sacrifices that these gentlemen gave gave their life for. Because what, what has come behind it hasn't, hasn't um stood stood behind these principles and 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 hasn't and hasn't um been staunch advocates as these two gentlemen were in 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 their time period so when when the young people see now people who posture both sides who don't have a stance who at one point in time represent one thing but then at another point in time represent something else. You know, you know, basically capricious in nature. You know, I mean, you know, they have a they have a confused view, and especially living in in in, in the throes of poverty. You know, it skews their outlook on sacrificing. They they excuse their outlook on sacrificing because they feel no one sacrificed for them. It's not the young people's fault of the today's days that that, that there's, there's there's no connection to Malcolm X and Martin Luther King. It's the fault of the, of the generations before them. There's there no point in time, at some point in time, in the, between Malcolm X and Martin Luther King's death and, to, and nowadays, today, we've forgotten that we have to keep our sleeves rolled up and we have to work hard towards what we need. We forgot the principles of Booker T. Washington. We forgot the principles of of Marcus Garvey. See, we've got these principles, you know what I'm saying? And the prin- and those principles are what, is what, what help black people up their bootstraps and help them create um, create so much in this country that is, not, that is now being lost and is now being, you know, wasted, wasted away. And not even and, 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 and people have not even aren't even aware that we have anything to do with it. So so the thing about it is, is that the fact that young people, when we when we um, give our young people this ideology that it's about comfort and luxury and not about work and ethic. This is the this is the reason why we see what we see. It could be a million different things that can that can confuse them. Each generation goes to, goes through technology and gadgets and and you know idiosyncrasies that allows them to get caught up with this, that, and the other. But the but the fact that as a whole 
as as an ethos. Our community is not proud of who they are. That's the problem. After the after after the deaths of Martin Luther King and and and, and Malcolm X, you had the Black Panthers. So and 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 you had and, and you had so many different movements. You had so many ethnic movements. You had the FALN. Who um the the Puerto Rican movement? You had so many different ethnic movements at the time, and 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 how and the heavy-handed of COINTELPRO, the FBI, and other entities. You know they just disbanded these things, and they you know and they and they, and what happened was is what we see after what happened after the 1960s, the 1970s. They gave us black exploitation movies. Now you know black people want to act. Black people are always, you know, you know, thespians, you know, they go with all the actors, but so many of them worked in the craft that worked against us because those negative images said, you know, the society, how the society views us. Now, this is the 1970s, and we're still feeling the effects of this. You know, when you want to say what glamorized drug dealing, drug dealers ain't glamorizing, movies did. So the thing about it is, is that you do, you know what I'm saying? So we got to understand that, you know, the very entities that we applaud, the very things that we applaud in terms about in terms about the successfulness that we see in our community are some of the very things that have been extremely detrimental to our community. And it's aggregated. It's not just one thing. You just can't say we don't, as a human being, we don't, one thing doesn't com- compose our whole body to keep, keep, keep us alive. So it's not one thing in terms of our, as a group of people. It's not one thing one thing that's keeping us subdued as a people. It's aggregated. It's so many different things. And we have to start paying attention to each and every different and Impediment that's preventing us from 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 edifying ourselves because it's these it's these these impediments that's creating the 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 the, the, um, the menagerie that we see in our communities that's creating that's creating the mental illness that we see in our communities and you know and it's up to each and every one of us to work to work diligently as Malcolm X and Martin Luther King did we have to understand this. The iconic picture of Malcolm X when he's holding the when he's holding the machine gun looking out the window. When that iconic picture when he's looking out the window, he's a, and when when he, when he bombed his house, he's not looking out the window for white people. He's looking out the window for black people. So we got to understand that here are people who sacrificed themselves, who did everything for our people, and what we where have we done them? We have not shown the proper just due. We have not shown them the proper just due in regards of recognizing them and respecting their sacrifices that we have done. And we have been in the process of watching these sacrifices being relinquished. You have to understand, every 25 years, they sign off on our voting rights. Every 25 years, you know, they they say it's okay for us to still continue to vote. So we have to understand that even our voting rights have to be reestablished every 25 years. So the thing, so what we are, we have to understand is that we have no time to play, and the fact that we have celebrities and we have stars and we have politicians and we have all these these black people that have, that have, have, have ascended to certain accolades and certain pinnacles in society. They are the ones who set the precedence for the ones on the bottom. And they're not, they're not out here with their sleeves rolled up. And the little this one and that one and every drip drop when we hear about this one, that's not enough. Because the ones that's doing so much to show about drinking champagne and buying big cars, that's what's hurting our children more than anything else. All right, we're going to take a short break and we'll come back. 
and continue our conversation. young 
African Americans and young people, period. Uh, do we need him on the football field, or do we need him to be an activist? We need him to get out the way. We need him to stop playing, you know, okay. with the note of That's what I think. What, what do you mean by out the way? Uh, do you think he's uh, interfering with the progress that can be made by somebody else? I'm saying exactly, for serious efforts. You know, um, when the media applauds, many like Malcolm X said, when the media, the media has a way of having you um, rooting for the oppressor and rooting against the oppressed. You know, whenever you see, you know, Colin Kaepernick doesn't, you know, um... We can applaud him for, you know, for the stance he made. Okay, yeah. But, you know, the situation that's going on in our communities is bigger than that. You know, the situation that's going on in our communities is that, um, you know, it's a cycle of poverty that we're experiencing. It's a cycle of poverty. It's a generational poverty. And, you know... The fact that the police, you know, brutalize black people is because we are the scapegoat. You know, we're easy to get over on. And until we as a group of people become educated and articulate so that we could defend ourselves verbally and not with cursing, because cursing is not a verbal defense. Um, then that's when, you know, we, you know, we'll see a difference in our community. You know, having a slogan, having a guy, you know, saying, you know, I don't like it. Why, 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 why no one's going to listen when you say it, Mr. Deshae? Why are we listening to Colin Kaepernick? Why someone random from out the community can't say we tired of this oppression and people listen? Why does it have to be a celebrity? Why does it be celebrity jocking? You know what I mean? You know, when 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 and, 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 and when celebrities in the back behind behind closed doors they make deals with corporate America, so I mean you know if if it was a valid attempt then we would see people from the grassroots era from the grassroots level, you know what I'm saying when whenever they said something the local preacher would be able to say it and, and you know and galvanize you know galvanize just as many people as as Colin Kaepernick, so until until we start seeing that aspect in our community have the effect that it should have, that it used to have? Because that's the effect that our community used to have. It used to have people like Gloria Richardson and used to have people like Queen Mother Moore. It used to have people like like Malcolm X. It used to have people that could galvanize the community and you didn't have to be a celebrity. You didn't have to be someone that, you know, that had that, that had that had all this notoriety, you know, and advertise and advertising, but the dollars behind them. No, so what we need, we need, we need someone who 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 has altruistic intentions. Malcolm X died with six hundred dollars in his bank account, so that tells you how much how much he benefited from from being a speaker for the for the for the black community. He benefited nothing in terms of how financially. You know what I'm saying? What what he benefited in terms of about until until to today, 
he's he's instrumental in changing young men's life to today. Many of you young men that's incarcerated read his autobiography and decide to change their life. I was one of them. So the thing about it, and that was 20 years ago. So so the thing about it is, is that you know we can we can be thankful. We can applaud someone who see who's put the who put the work in, who really who really who really changed. The truth the truth needs no no helped with it. So, so the fact that you know what I'm saying we have someone like Malcolm X, someone like Fred Hampton, someone like Fannie Lou Hamer, people of that that nature, people from um, George George and Jonathan Jackson, people of that nature, people who really sacrificed and who, who benefited nothing, whose names are whose names are almost of no mention, you know, people like Matula Shakur who's sitting in prison to today. So we we you know so until you know it shouldn't have took a Colin Kaepernick. It could have, should have took a Matula Shakur. It should have took, you know, it should have took Miss Jones, who who's upstairs right now praying for her grandson to come upstairs to come home, make us safe through the summer. That should have, should have took. It should have took a, a football player. It should have took one of us, just a regular black person. And the fact that it takes one, because in other communities, when they, when they want to when they want to galvanize and jump up and scream out and put their stuff together, it doesn't take a celebrity. It just takes someone who's who's fed up. So that's what we need to. That's what it needs to take in our community. It just needs to take one of us to stand up. And it shouldn't take somebody who has who has notoriety. Uh, Cheryl, are you there? I'm here. Good evening. Seven one five one seven one five nine one. Give us your name and where you're calling from. James. Yes. Can you hear me? This is Cheryl. I, okay, I hear you, Cheryl. Oh, okay. Did you have a uh, a question Cheryl, you what, wanted to what, ask? What do you feel like? Well, go ahead, ask your question. No, that's what I was going to ask you. Did you have a question to ask me? Okay. Do you? What is your thoughts about why we don't seemingly applaud? Um, Malcolm X to the same level that we do um, Martin Luther King. Well, you know, um, and good evening, uh, Mr. Higgins. How are you um, this evening? Right. Um, yeah. One of the things that um, that I'm noticing is that when you put on um, when you sent in the, um, the the messages, what the subject was going to be about. I took it upon myself to read a little bit about them. And I think that we don't have the in-depth information on him as a lot of people think that we do. Although his name is brought up in the schools and during um, Black History Month, you know, the um, students um, talk about him and do little reports on him. I don't think the whole in-depth of it has been no. done or talked about because the things that I read is not anything that was familiar to that I've heard over the years when we, you know, talk about Malcolm X. And when I say that, I don't mean everything. I mean certain things um, were different, meaning added to what I already knew, meaning that just the surface 
is talked about when we talk about him, and especially when it has to do, you know, with, with the children in school and projects. And um, it's really not in-depth on it. And I yeah. and I appreciate this platform because with you putting that on there and then with Mr. Higgins come in and talk about certain things, James gives us um, the heads up on it and give us the opportunity to read and research before you come on and talk about it. So mm-hmm. it gave much, much more information than mm-hmm. I was aware of over the years, even like when it came to his name changing um, again. You know, mm-hmm. we we don't talk about all of that. So I think mm-hmm. that the fact that it's not talked about in depth and it's not a constant thing because I, f- I feel to believe that um, most of um, these men, gentlemen and women, who paved the way, they're only talked about doing that month of February. You know, we in the households have to bring that name up and also do, you know, home reports. And mm-hmm. to sit down, just like Mr. Higgins was saying, you know, we got to bring more awareness. It's our responsibility because this mm-hmm. generation, not saying that it has lost sight, but it has never had sight because if mm-hmm. it's not instilled in them and followed with them, you know, and only the surface is touched, then they don't know, and they don't know what they don't know. If we're not constantly teaching them this because we can't expect the schools to teach them. So we got to continue to educate ourselves because at that point when I um, read, I got an aha moment. It's that, mm-hmm. oh, now, I think that, you know, just like um, Mr. Higgins, you were saying, that we got to begin to instill or in the importance of these men and these women who um, who paved the way and did the things that they did. Now, Mr. Higgins, mm-hmm. I have a question. With who, I know that it has not been done, but who's next? And why and, do we and, not have a next? Who's next and what? Going what? Meaning that, you know, that um, our next Martin Luther King, our next Malcolm X, our next, you know, those who, and opposed it's, to when you were talking about um, Kaepernick you know, moving out of the way. So who's next, and why is it that we have or uh, no one have stepped up? The thing, the thing about it is, is that it's not to say that no one has stepped up. It's just that they haven't been publicized. What you saw with Malcolm X and Martin Luther King is that you saw two black leaders that were publicized. Just the same way, uh, on when, when it comes to Martin Luther King. His name outshines James Farmer. His name outshines, outs, <clears throat> excuse me. His name outshines a Philip Randolph. His name outshines Whitney Young. His name outshines many of the people, many of the people, Julian Bond, many of the people who were working at the, who worked um, diligently in that time period. Um, Martin Luther King name outshines him. This is because the, the media coverage. And the notoriety that was given to the media coverage. So we do have people in our communities 
that are working diligently, that are they are they are doing the, the very best to try to edify our communities. But these these people that are doing these things, they're not being applauded. You know, they're not they're not they're not being appreciated. You know, I work in the school system. I see every day certain people who don't have the credentials, who may not be the teachers or the or the so called um, you know you know a guidance counselor, or whatever. But they, you know, these are some of the people that have directed extreme, profound effects on the children, and these are the people that we need to applaud. See, the problem is in our society is that we applaud the rich and not and not the diligent. You know what I mean? So what happens is the kids have come to 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 to, to recognize the, the 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 accomplishments of the rich mm-hmm. and not the diligent. They, you know, they appreciate the love that's coming from the people in their community that you know that that actually have some impact on them. But it's much it's not as strong enough in an effect as as the people that they watch on the on on the television and they, and they see it in, in, through these through all these media devices, you know what I'm saying, who look seem to seem to be living this rich and extravagant life. And you know, and it's un, it's unfortunate that you know that 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 law has a powerful effect on our children. And we can't blame them because it has a powerful effect on adults. As you know, so you know the 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 one the, the want to be rich and the want to have success and things of that nature. So what we have to do, we the reason we don't have we understand we don't see much of that also is because platforms like Mr. Deshay show we're not we don't have enough avenues in terms of where we have our own way forms of communication. Most of the forms of communication that we utilize or through mainstream media, and mainstream media is not uh, reporting on the things that's good in our community. It only reports on the negative and the degradation that goes on in our community. So in terms of about that, we have to start becoming our own advocates and speaking for the people that's doing the work, the people that's feeding the, hum- the hungry, the people that's feeding the minds of the people so, the, so they can behave better and live better. Because... This is what we see in our community. You see so much wicked and vile criminal acts. These are because of the of the wicked, the, the way society is run. Much of the wickedness that you see is comes from people living in institutions and living going going through going through group homes and foster care and and being molested. This this, this is the anger that precipitates people being so violent that you see in society and the research will show you this. So the thing so the thing about it is is that we gotta understand that, you know, while we in our houses, we we in our newspapers and you know, we're saying, you know, we hope that this 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 demon scourge doesn't come knock at our door. The only way you're gonna get to create that demon scourge from coming to your door is by being active in your community and making sure that you know that we spread love and not hate. You know what I'm saying? In our community, much of much of what we see is because people in our community are so angry, so angry from being, from hungry, from being, and from being oppressed, from not loving who they are. And you know what I mean? And that's what Malcolm X was able to give us. He was able to give us someone who was able to love who we are, make us appreciate who we are. And when we and we have yet to see that again. You know what I mean? Someone who's able to articulate in that manner. To make us love ourselves, because that's the problem. We don't love ourselves as a community. We don't love what we see in the mirror, and the fact that we don't love what we see in the mirror is the why we behave in the manner that we behave. So once we start loving what we see in the mirror, then we'll be able to start seeing some of the change in the community that we want to see. Uh. Let me go to you, D, and ask you, 
why do you uh, feel that Malcolm was not able to uh, get the accolades that he deserved uh, despite all the things he was able to do with his life being self-taught? Uh, good evening, everybody, and uh, I apologize for being late. I was able to uh, dabble in for the first part of the show, but I had to step out again. Uh, James, you know, being a, being of my age, uh, just turning 62, and uh, looking back at all of this, um, I think that the most clear answer about uh, to give you is uh, Malcolm was ahead of his time. Uh-huh. Um, you know, uh, growing up in the southeast, and and the name Malcolm Malcolm X was uh, nationwide. Everybody knew him for what he was. Uh, appreciated by some, hated or un unappreciated by most. Uh, growing up in the southeast, I think I fell in the category of. Um, not knowing him well enough to appreciate him, uh, being in the southeast. Um, you know, um, it, it has been said here in the past few years that uh, by, by people that, that are non-Christian, uh, people that have been left behind by the Islamic movement, uh, it has been said by them in these past few 1824 months that we love white people. Black people love white people. Um, and and they say that because we have spent most of our lives trying to emulate them. Uh-huh. And in doing so, we spent most of our lives trying to emulate them, but we have fell short to gain their respect and appreciation. And uh-huh. that's what Matt is trying to tell us. Uh-huh. That's what that's what the the Muslim brothers, uh, the the brothers with the bow ties. I don't know how they used to dress in your neighborhood. But they had the big butterfly bow ties. It wasn't big. Uh-huh. It was butterfly bow ties, uh-huh. and they tried to tell us that. And uh-huh. and so uh, and looking back. At age 62, uh, I, I can only say that they were ahead of their time. Uh, they were the one that tried to pick up the baton that was snatched away from Martin Luther King. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and so, us being in the position to try to appreciate uh, integration and, and 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 the betterment of the of the economic status, supposedly. Driven towards black people We were trying to appreciate that uh, We tried to I think trying to, Tried to find out individuality In the world um, But as it turned out um, We did so But we still did not gain the respect That we thought we deserved Now uh, in hindsight I would love I would give almost anything To have these people uh, On the scene again right now because that education that was that was trying to be given us um, was nullified. Now, even more so now, the Trump administration and Breitbart and anybody else that that's, that's has this nationalistic attitude, they've gone out of their way to make sure that if anybody of the Islamic nation 
or anybody of that sort, whether they ever raise their head again, that they will be hated on sight. So we live in a funny time in a funny world in that way. But, um, you know, their teachings now uh, being historically available, uh, it is up to us who knew them and knew of them because it's the, the younger generation, the people 30 and down, even 40 and less, have no idea who they are. They just, they just heard their names. And so we got a, again, we got a, a, a monumental job in trying to rekindle the fire that we once had as a people. Thank you. Uh, Ms. Higgins, I, let me just say from my point of view, um, the nation of Islam, what I appreciated more from them than anything else uh, was their discipline. And if I could extract their method of teaching discipline away from the other part, I could see the, the positiveness it could have. But can you extract the discipline without the religion? Oh, that's, I mean, you can practice Christianity and have the same discipline that um, many um, exercise in the nation of Islam. What many people fail to realize is that Islam, Judaism, and Christianity have the same vein. They have religions of Abraham. So they basically have much of the same sayings in their books, whether it be the Pentateuch, the Quran, or the or the Bible. So the fact that um, you know, you know, they've been pit against each other in terms about being you know polar opposites. In fact, when they have a, you know a common link, is you know one of the things that happens that you know at the you know at the top of society, it's you know in the powers that be, you know, like in the Bible it says. We don't war against the flesh. We war against principalities and um, people in high, high places. So um, the thing about it is, is that you know we have to understand that um, Malcolm X. We have two different things when you look at where you're dealing with the religion. So at the time he was, you know, he was introducing a new religion. So that new religion was something that turned many people off because, you know, in terms of it wasn't a new religion, it was something that was new to people in this in this portion of society. So what happens is that it was something that turned people off, but on the same token, he was talking about black nationalism. So these are the things that kind of get convoluted, you know what I'm saying, in terms about understanding, you know, the man named Malcolm X. And people don't also understand it was that once he started learning, he started getting other teachers than Elijah Muhammad. And when he started getting other teachers than Elijah Muhammad, he started learning about things like this. This is a quote from Malcolm X. No, the founding fathers of England came from the dungeons of, of England. No, the founding fathers of England came from the dungeons of England, came from the prisons of England. They were prostitutes. They were murderers and thieves and liars. And as soon as they got over here, they proved it. They created one of the most criminal societies that has ever existed on the earth since time began. And if you doubt it, when you go home at night, look in the mirror at yourself, and you'll see the victim of the, that criminal system that was created by them. Now, this is why Malcolm X was so 
so point so as, as remember because his words are so poignant. He didn't pull any punches. Now, if you do the history of England, you will know that that's a fact. They emptied the prisons of England to 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 send to send to send the people over here to the United States and to Australia because no one was crazy enough to want to make the trip to America, the newfound land. They didn't even know anything was over here. So you know what I'm saying. So the thing about it is the fact that Malcolm X was able to to so eloquently put that in a manner that would be poignant enough to slap people in the face and they have them realize what the truth is. And that's and that was the difference between Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. Because Martin Luther King would never have said anything like that. You know what I'm saying? Not to take anything away from him, but he wouldn't have said anything like that for the simple fact because he's had meetings with the presidents. He sat he you know, he sat with the heads of state. He sat with politicians. All right, in those in those in 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 those man in those facades in, in those environments, you have to be, uh, you know, politically correct. You have to use social etiquette. Those words right there are oblivious of social etiquette. But it was hard. But it was hard enough for the for laymen, for the regular down home people to say, "Wow, that was something powerful." And I never heard anybody say anything like that. So these is what these these these, these this is why. Malcolm X was wasn't hasn't been applauded the way you might say a Martin Luther King was applauded because Martin Luther King didn't say anything like that. Martin Luther King did say some powerful things and he did have some you know some some rhetoric that was that was considered subversive, you know what I'm saying to the establishment and that and that's why they took his life. You know what I mean? But you know the fact that you know it was the manner in which Malcolm X said a lot of different things. So this is these are the things that we have to understand and respect because this man, when he was saying this, he wasn't saying it <clears throat> to be abrasive. He was saying it so that so that we it would resonate with us, it would resonate with the people who it needed to resonate with, and that's the kind and that's the kind of information that we need now to res- so we can resonate. So because what happens is is that once you once you do the research on the information. Now becomes yours. There's no longer Malcolm X's words. When you do the research on who the founding fathers were and where they came from, then you know there's no longer Malcolm X's words. It's your words, and that's what we have to do. Malcolm X is sitting on, on at, at each end of this phone. It depends on what we're gonna get up and do in terms about <clears throat> edifying our community. And no, we might not get the accolades. No, we might not get the the notoriety. But see, the thing about it is, it's not for the accolades or the notoriety. It's for the change. It's for the children. It's for. It's for. It's for. It's for. It's so so that so that the next generation won't have to bear the burden of the past generation. And so and that's and so that and that's and that's why and that's what Malcolm X's legacy has left for us. It is. It's so important that we recognize that we have to to figure out a way. To pull ourselves together, I remember um, the day where I heard that over two million African Americans stayed home, and we just don't have. What is your thought about the fact that we just don't, we cannot afford for that kind of voting block not to be used? And so, how do we pull these people together? Uh, we can't reelect uh, Barack Obama. Uh, so how do we pull these people together and get them back on their feet, recognizing that we can't have them on the sidelines? 
Well, you say, what did you say, Mr. Deshaun? You said too, too many people didn't vote today? I was saying that I heard that 2 million people didn't vote for anybody. Uh, so how mm-hmm. do we galvanize these people so they recognize that we can't afford to have that type voting block sitting at home? And that's how somebody like um, Donald Trump gets elected when you have uh, people who could uh, make it not happen just stay at home. We can't afford for African Americans to stay at home. Well, Africans, American, African Americans, much like many Americans, are oblivious to what's really going on in government and politics and how it's run. So the fact that they have a lackluster uh, showing in terms about for the election just shows in terms about how important they think their votes are, and. Like I've said before, our votes are more effective on the local level than it is on the national level. If you want to put pressure on the national level, then you put pressure on your local level. Everything follows a protocol. So we put pressure on our local legislators, then now put pressure on our national legislators. So the fact that African Americans haven't shown up to the voting block shows the reason why African Americans haven't shown up to the PTA meetings or haven't shown up for anything else that has anything concerned with them until someone puts a fire under them. You know what I mean? And what happens is there's a lack of education. It's the fact that, you know, we we don't understand what's important. We don't understand what's important to help change our life. Malcolm X once said that if we understood that what goes on in Vietnam, what goes on in Europe, what goes on in, in Cambodia directly affects our pocketbook, directly affects our, our livelihood, directly affects how we're looked at in society, then we'll be extremely interested in foreign affairs. But the reason why we're not interested in foreign affairs, the reason why we're not interested in voting, um, 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 voting is because we don't think it have any effect. And that's, why, and that's why we have the behavior. Adam Clayton Powell said people, are, people are, are, are obey the law. Hello? I'm here. Go ahead. I'm listening. I said Adam Clayton Powell said people obey a law in, in in connection to their pocketbooks. You know what I'm saying? So the thing about it is is that you know we know say you know you know when we want to say people to vote or or, or connects people going to vote in connection how how it benefits them and it doesn't benefit African Americans and so that's why they haven't came out. We have to start making sure it benefits our community. You know more police. Is not a is 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 not is not a is not a benefit from from voting, you know what I mean. So we have to make sure that we get the benefits, like other communities get the better get the benefits, and then you know what I'm saying we'll see more African Americans come out and vote. All right, we're going to take another short break, and then we're going to come back and give everyone an opportunity to have their final word. We got it together, didn't we? We've definitely got our thing together, don't we? Isn't that nice? I mean, really, when you really sit and think about it, isn't it really, really nice? I can easily feel myself slipping more and more away. 
a super world of my own. Nobody but you and me. We've got it together, baby.
brought to you seven days a week, Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, Saturday 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and Sunday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. We're here so that your voice can be heard loud and clear without interruptions. Call in at 657-383-0309 so you can make a difference. Uh, Cheryl, what is your final thought for this evening? Um, one of the things that I want to say is very, very good um, topic this evening. Um, and again, James, I appreciate you for having this platform so that we can become more educated, and which Mr. Higgins has done today. Um, educated us, answered a lot of questions um, that we can move forward and things that we need to do as a people and understand where we are at today as far as getting um, getting people more notarized out here. So with all of that being said, whatever we do, we can always do better. Amen. Thanks. All right, Mr. Higgins, uh, your final thoughts this evening? I'm just thankful to, um, you know, the honor of um, Brother Malcolm X, you know, and I hope that you know, you know, we can continue to have more enlightening shows and you know, have topics that will, you know, to help edify our community. Uh, did you get a chance to get out uh, yourself uh, and uh, take in some of the different activities? Who me? Yeah. No, I don't. I don't too much. Um. I'm too busy working in the community, trying to help the community, you know, to take part in festivities. I, you know, when those times of comedy arrive, I'm supposed to go to an event tomorrow. That's uh, an event, you know, with um, some of the, the um, local politicians and some of the um, local talent in the community. I'm, I'm more or less working with the kids, working with the elders on a day-to-day basis. All right. Well, we truly appreciate you. Uh, coming every other Sunday and, and bringing to our attention some of the history uh, that we need to know about and be able to convey uh, to others. Uh, thank you, and I want everyone to know uh, we need to continue to to listen and to call in. Again, the number is 657-383-0309 uh, so that your voice can be heard loud and clear. See you tomorrow at 6 p.m. Eastern Time on Thoughts, Love, and Reflection. your children and don't let them fall by the side of the road and teach them to love one another that heaven might find a place their heart Jesus is love He won't let you down and I know
Jesus is love. 